happy new year, Healthy Self-Governance Network. My name is Shakira Mills. I am the Deputy Chief of Staff for Bridge Alliance and your dedicated and enthusiastic podcast host. Welcome back to To Build a Bridge. I am super excited to get this year started. I have so many things planned for you all. And today I am starting with, ironically, podcasting. Um, the end of 2021 really showed me how beneficial podcasting can be um, as both a supporter of healthy self-governance, right, as a civilian, and as a nonprofit professional, I saw how beneficial it could be to my work. And so what I wanted to do was sit down with the Democracy Group, which is a network of podcasts dedicated to exactly what we do, which is democracy reform. Um, and I want to talk about just the benefits of having a podcast and how to either start one or enhance a podcast that you already have. So Brandon and Jenna, could you please introduce yourselves and what you do in the field and just kind of tell me how you became interested and started in podcasting? Sure. Uh, so I'll go ahead and, and kick things off. I'm Jenna Spinelli. I am the communication specialist for the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State and the founder of the Democracy Group Podcast Network. Um, I have been working in this field since 2017, um, but my background and training is in journalism. Uh, I still teach journalism in the College of Communications here at Penn State. And so podcasting is is really for me a way to combine everything that I'm interested in. I get to do interviews and and keep one foot in that journalism world, but also have conversations that bridge divides and open up new points of view and really educate concerned citizens, which I know are all goals of the the bridging movement and the democracy reform movement more broadly. My name's uh, Brandon Stover. I am the network manager here at the Democracy Group. I help run the back end of everything going on uh, and help the collaboration between our 16 podcasts on our network. Um, also collaborate with external organizations, uh, many of which are probably listening to this now. Um, I got into podcasting through my own podcast called Evolve, where I interview social entrepreneurs about global challenges and the solutions that they're creating to solve them. Uh, and I got into the space originally just to start speaking with other um, influential people, leaders, um, people with high expertise so that I could build my network and start learning from them. Um, moving into the startup space, I had a lot of freelance, um, digital marketing design experience, but never any uh, entrepreneur experience. So podcasting has helped me build a network of mentors and teachers uh, for myself. You know, I don't ever think I've asked myself why I got into podcasting. And now that I think of it, it falls along the line um, with yours, Jenna. I've, I started off um, in the newspaper industry, being an editor for my college's newspaper. And I started to notice a level of censorship. I wanted to tell the whole truth and the raw truth. And that's through conversations and of course, documentaries as well, which is also something I'm into. So that's cool. I feel like you all are my people. <laughs> So uh, what do you all feel um, is specifically about podcasting that's unique and more effective than maybe other forms of communication or mass media? It's just what you were talking about, Shakira. It's the, the ability to have deeper, fuller conversations. Uh, I know 
folks in the democracy space are familiar with the idea of nuance and how that is so often missing in a lot of mainstream media and in traditional media. And I think much in the way that a documentary gives more space to tell you know, different types of stories, fuller types of stories, lift up voices that are not often heard from, you know, I think podcasting has a lot of that same potential. And I, and I think it's a natural fit as far as education as well. In some ways, I think Brandon and I see it as, as a companion to other parts of curriculum that educators are, are developing, whether it's at the, the K-12 level or at the college level. And that's something that we as the Democracy Group Network are starting to put some focus on. That is very true. Um, I'd say podcasting, when I was first introduced to it, was a, a much better way for me to learn than a bunch of reading, which if you're in school at any level, you already have enough of. So yeah. What about you, Brandon? Yeah, I think it moves beyond uh, the sound bites uh, and quick um, little hits of what a person's ideas are and really dives into the complex issues of um, some of the things that we're facing, uh, especially within the, the democracy space, we get to sit down and hear the other person's point of view in a very much more nuanced way, as Jenna was mentioning, so that um, we can understand that view, maybe help to further it or to bring it into our own, as well as I think it allows a space for stories and learning in a way that people get inspired. It's the reason that we read books or watch movies um, we often learn from those, but it's not as structured as here's step one, here's step two. The stories really inspire you to take action and uh, follow through on some of the ideas that you're hearing from the speakers. It's funny how conditioned we are to the kind of confrontational aspect of, of media. So on the, the show that I host and do interviews for Democracy Works, I'll sometimes have like friends or family members or, or just people I'm talking to say to me, why aren't you more confrontational? Why don't you go after people in your interviews? And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm trying to do. Like, this is not a debate show. There are plenty of other places you can go if you want that type of, of content or that type of atmosphere. Um, and I, I think that podcasting, with, with some exceptions, of course, but in general has a more sort of open door or level playing field or, you know, we are going to give people space to present their ideas and, and let listeners decide for themselves how they feel about it rather than this confrontational automatic, like I'm right, you're wrong. I'm team red, you're team blue. All of these dichotomies that we tend to fall into. Yes. And serve as a good example of what healthy dialogue between people that may not even uh, correlate on a lot of things, things that people podcast about don't always resonate with their personal views. And so I, I agree with that. I kind of already went into it. How, how can podcasting help some of the problems that, um, that have weakened democracy and polarization would be one of them, right? Um, this also falls along, along the lines of what orgs can gain from podcasting. In my view, it's, it's a more digestible form of a lot, you can compact a lot of information into a podcast episode um, and people can can easily access it and digest it. And it's also, again, a good example of what at least listening to or or dis diving into subjects that may not resonate with you personally would be like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is one 
I think everything you said is is right, Shakira. But there's one thing that sort of addles my mind that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's, you know, podcasting is a self-selecting medium, just like any other type of, of media that we listen to today. There's there's so much competition for your time and your attention. And so how many people are going to be willing to seek something out that they know uh, at the jump that they might not necessarily agree with like it's it's baked into our human psychology that we you know seek out things that reinforce what we already think and believe um and so that is i think there's a a great promise there for sure in podcasting and that all of this content is is out there and we're all sort of in a very good faith way presenting it i just i i wonder about um you know, how we can convince people to spend some of their time having perhaps a more difficult listening experience or stepping outside of their, their comfort zone. You know, I, I certainly don't have a, a one size fits all solution. I think it's something that, you know, this community is going to really have to work together on to, to come up with, with a solution. I think there's a, a couple different levels of benefits for the podcaster, um, the one that is interviewing other people. You get to dive into these experts' ideas and try and understand a problem for yourself. So maybe you don't understand some of the issues that are happening in democracy. You get to really, really learn from these people in a way that you can go in depth and ask the questions that you have on your mind and most likely that the listeners have on their minds as well. Um, because you're part of that that collection and your listeners kind of get to follow along in that learning journey with you. Now, from a organization's standpoint, you get to demonstrate what it means to have these thoughtful conversations. Um, you're often working towards the same goal uh, with uh, the people that you're talking with. So anytime that they are promoting their stuff or promoting their ideas, they're also promoting your organization and like your podcast because they were interviewed on there. Um, so it helps to rise all tides and uh, move the entire space forward. I agree. What would you all say um, to the idea of it almost being a podcaster's responsibility to understand who their following um, is, who their audience is, um, and responsibly put in information that may that may not already be a part of the normal algorithm of their audience if that makes any sense you know broaden broaden the topics that that you talk about um to expose your listeners to perspectives that they may not initially agree with but can still benefit from learning from um so i i'd say that's where the solution to that concern because I, I agree um i certainly what i'm looking for shows to look at i am not going automatically to genres or, or topics that don't fall in line with my personal values. Um, so then it would be the responsibility of the podcast that I listen to, to expose me to them, even if it's just a shameless plug, right? What do you all feel is the best approach for an organization to start a podcast? I think it's, um, you know, really having a, a clear goal in mind for what you want the podcast to accomplish and and what you want to get out of it, um, you know, Brandon and I say 
all the time that, you know, you can do all the advertising, all the collaborations and, and, you know, all those types of things all day long. But at the end of the day, if your heart's not in it, your passion is not in it, and you're, you're not going to create content that people actually want to listen to and will keep coming back to. So, um, you know, really having that understanding of, you know, what, what is already out there. And you, you certainly don't want to duplicate something that somebody else has already built an audience doing. You instead want to look for ways to build upon that and, and make your own, or, you know, kind of put your own spin on it. And then also having realistic expectations about what you're going to get out of it. Uh, I know at least in, you know, sort of the earlier days, three, four years ago, when I got into podcasting, I think it was like the height of when serial was really popular. And I, I think a lot of people thought that every podcast was going to get millions of downloads or, or at least like tens of thousands of downloads. And the, the average that an episode gets, if you look, look across all podcasts, it's only a couple hundred. Um, so I think really knowing that uh, at the, at the outset before you, you know, invest time and, and, and money and other resources with the idea that you're going to be this like viral <laughs> sensation when that's really not very likely to happen. But, you know, I, I use the example a lot. I think a lot of organizations in particular, if you got two or 300 people to come to an event that you were doing, you would consider that to be a resounding success. And with a podcast, you're getting those people to come back to you week after week, month after month, whatever the the interval of time is that you're publishing your episodes. And so that is in some ways a much deeper form of engagement or has the potential to be a deeper form of, of engagement than just seeing somebody once at an event, maybe they sign up for your email list, maybe they don't, but you never see them again. Whereas with a podcast, you're literally in their ears on a, on a regular basis. And that creates opportunities for much more meaningful connection. I would, uh, on the back end of that, of Jenna's response of looking at what your goal is. Um, I think that's very important aligning what your personal goal is as the podcaster, and then what your audience's goals are. I think you need to have a deep understanding of who you're trying to serve and what, you know, issues are most important to them. What problems do they have? Um, you know, what things are they trying to learn? And then combining that with your personal goal, what are you getting out of the podcast? Uh, because for people to continue to want to keep showing up to your show, you're going to have to be serving them. Um, but for you to keep coming back week after week, if you're doing a weekly podcast and doing the interview, um, it takes a very long time to build an audience. It takes a long time to build a very good show. Uh, so if you're not intrinsically motivated, have an interest in the people that you're interviewing, um, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to continue on. I, I also see that as good advice for even our, our members that or any organization that already has a podcast, make sure that you are continuing to do that and not you know lose your way in the many ways that I'm sure uh, can come from having a podcast. Uh, is there anything else that you would say to organizations that may already have a podcast? What can they do if they're trying to expand or enhance their show? Yeah, I, I think one thing is definitely try to reach out to your listeners, um, either through surveys or through focus groups or one-on-one or -on -one interviews to get feedback on, on what you're doing, get suggestions for other guests or other topics that they would like to see you cover or, or people to have on, um, just any other feedback. Like I, we've done this 
both on on Democracy Works, my show, and as the Democracy Group Network. And I think gotten some really insightful feedback that's helped us, you know, plan new initiatives and and topics and and all of those sorts of things. And I think in some ways this is easier for organizations because like you, it's always helpful to incentivize people to to do a survey or to give feedback, right? So you probably, your organization has some extra t-shirts or coffee mugs or, you know, other swag items around that you can use to incentivize people, which is that when I have this conversation with independent podcasters, they're like, yeah, I would love to do that, but I can't afford to, you know, spend money on buying water bottles or notebooks or, or anything like that. Um, so I, I think that that's one, one advantage or one thing that makes it easier to get that feedback. All you really need to do is invest a little bit of time in putting a survey together or scheduling some listener interviews or those types of things. Yeah. At the democracy group, as an example, we did uh, listener interviews of some of our listeners from across the network and finding out what was really important to them going back to, you know, what do our listeners really want to know about uh, what issues are they having in their lives and seeing that, you know, they, came to our shows uh, largely for the guests, largely for the education um, and the topics that we were covering. And so we went back, took the information, went back to like our website, our marketing and the initiatives that we were doing and updated it. So it was more talk topic focused, showcasing more of the experts we've had, and then moving towards making our own like topic guides and educational curriculum. So really trying to focus in on what our listeners wanted uh, beyond that, when trying to grow the show, if you have an existing one, um, the other large part that we do at the Democracy Group are collaborations. So these could be collaborations with other podcasters, basically doing cross promotion and shout outs of each other's shows, or doing collaborations with other organizations that may have newsletters or virtual events um, or other marketing channels, and basically cross promoting in those as well. Now, I, I personally um, have questions about the different avenues of which to monetize a podcast. And I know that some organizations may not only see that, um, pod, may not only see podcasting as a, a way to kind of scale their work and get the word out to more people, but to also um, be a stream of income. So what do you say to, to orgs that want to monetize their show? Uh, the first thing is, is most of us are not going to be turned into Joe Rogan and get million dollar deals. Um, <laughs> and podcasting is a slower avenue to making revenue, but there are quite a different few different ways that you can start. Um, the easiest one is advertising uh, and doing that with brands or organizations that you're very aligned with. Um, at the Democracy Group, we do a small bit of advertising. Most of the time, it's from other podcasters that are within the democracy space trying to grow their podcast. You can do, if you're really connected with your audience, you can do things like community areas, like Patreons or uh, membership areas that allow the audience to interact more with you as the podcaster or your organization, get uh, more one-on-one -on -one with the, the experts. Um, you can sell merchandise through your podcast or services. If you're it's like consultant, um, you can interview certain people within your field and start to do consultant services for that. Um, those are a few of the avenues off the top of my head. Yeah. And I, I think one thing I would, I would piggyback on is that, you know, if you were just Google around for like podcast advertising rights, the, the numbers you see are pretty low 
Uh, and I think that's true if you're like a random business podcast that wants to go after, you know, Squarespace or, um, you know, Quip toothbrushes or, or Blue Apron or any of the other things that you hear advertised over and over and over again on podcasts. But I think that for niche shows like the ones that that we do and like others listening to this might be thinking of, of starting, um, it's a much different, much more refined demographic. You can really do targeted advertising um, for people who are right in the, the sweet spot for whatever it is you want to, to sell to them, whether that is another podcast or, or a book you have coming out or some service that you have or an event or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and you, the, the podcasters can charge accordingly for that, um, because you're delivering something that is much higher value to the advertiser rather than just basically rolling the dice and hoping that people will be intrigued enough by the way the host reads the ad or something about the ad itself to go in and learn more about your product or service. Yeah, if you have a very niche audience, let's say, for example, um, there's a ton of like dog walker podcasts out there. If you're a dog walker podcast, you have a very niche audience that is interested in dog walking products. And so you can go to those companies that maybe sell leashes or dog walk training or something along those lines. Those companies are never going to, you know, advertise on Joe Rogan's podcast or some other general podcast. Uh, but because you have a very connected audience, they may advertise with you. And so you're not going to have any competition, you know, with other podcasts, you may get a better rate. Um, you just have to do some convincing of them of, podcasting is a good avenue for advertising. Okay. And with specifically our network, I would imagine um, if monetizing specifically is not a high, high priority, collaboration would be another incredible reason. Like I don't always consider collaboration to be an entire project with another person or another organization. Even the agreement to plug one another is still working together to amplify one another's work. And that's really what I'd say I'm all about. And what I love about podcasts is that I always find out about other podcasts or other cool work that I would not have known about otherwise. So mm -hmm. I, I certainly agree with that. Um, are there any resources that you would recommend to organizations that want to start a podcast and, and want some really deep and, and um, detailed information on, on the step-by-steps to doing that? So as, as far as uh, what we were saying before about audience and like what expectations are, you know, how to set those expectations, um, I would recommend looking up research from a group called Edison Research. They are the leading market research firm in the podcast space. They do um, surveys and, and focus groups every year that talk about how many people are listening to podcasts, how they find new shows. Um, how their listening changes over time, how it's changed before and after COVID. Um, Tom Webster, who is their research manager, is, is really awesome. He keynotes pretty much every podcasting conference that's out there, but he has a, a great blog and, and newsletter that he writes if you really want to go deep on, on audience metrics and, and uh, engagement and those sorts of things. Um, uh, yeah, there. I I think um, Brandon, you put together a, a how to podcast course, right? Yes. Uh, so I have a ninety day audio course um, that you learn how to start a podcast and then grow it and possibly monetize it if you would like in just five to twenty minutes a day um, over ninety days. It has short uh, little audio snippets and then 
um, worksheets that go along with it. And it'll take you basically from everything and figuring out what it is you want to podcast about, what equipment you need, uh, and then, you know, where you need to distribute it on the platforms to get it on Apple, Spotify, so on and so forth. So that's a good resource. Um, there's also plenty of others out there like that. Certain people like Pat Flynn, um, John Lee Dumas, they're large podcasters that have very introductory uh, courses to help get started. I too am taking notes myself. Well, thank you so much uh, for giving such helpful information to not only myself as a new podcaster, but I'm sure the many members that will listen to this who have maybe not considered podcasting um, because it can be intimidating um, or have podcasts and just want to enhance them the way that you know I do. Is there any information on how to contact you all that you would like to give our listeners? Sure. You can find the Democracy Group Podcast Network at democracygroup.org. You can see there um, all of our member shows, some of the uh, events and, and, and collaborations that we're doing. So if, if you or your organization would like to collaborate with our network, uh, either on podcasts or, or advertising or virtual events or our newsletter or any of the other things that we've got going, uh, we would love to hear from you and and to be in touch with you. Follow the democracygroup.org. Um, and if you're interested in collaboration, uh, you can schedule a call with me. Um, we'll jump on and figure out the best way to work together and all the different avenues that Jenna was just mentioning. I hope this information was as inspiring for you as it was for me. I can't wait to spend this year enhancing this podcast and making it better for you all. And I really hope that if you either have a podcast or have an organization and really want one, that you can take this information and run with it. Please, if you have any questions about anything that you heard, Jenna and Brandon gave their information, but you can also feel free to reach out to me at Shakira at BridgeAlliance.us. I hope you all have a wonderful year full of productivity and success, and I'll see you next month.